It's such a joy to be back. Uh, we had the best summer ever uh, in our whole life. Yeah. This has been absolutely an incredible, incredible summer for us. And we want to just start off today saying thank you. Thank you for the gift. You know, a sabbatical is not something you take, it's something you receive. And we received this with open arms. And we're so grateful, so grateful for all of our pastors, for our elders that, uh, that generously gave us this time just to step away and have time as a family. And i um, so grateful for Pastor Jamie. Did he do well? Did he, he Karen? He, uh, he's a rock star. I think he was doing really well because his, is, his sabbatical's next summer. <laughs> so there was a little bit of, he was just testing the waters there. But uh, so grateful for him, grateful for our staff here that, that really stepped in and, and, and led. Come on, give it up for our staff and our team, all of our leaders, thank y'all so much. Um, we, we just receive all of this with great, with great gratitude, and, and we definitely want to just say thank you to all of you. Um, you know, there are some churches that, that don't give their pastors the, the, the space to just breathe for a little bit, and, and you did, you did really so much, actually almost too good, because I was like, oh my God, there's nobody, like, what's going on here? But so many people have just honored uh, our time together, and we had a great time. We'll share a little bit of that in, in the message of some things that we did this summer, but um, we're glad to be back. You glad to be back? Very glad to be back. I had to put in my GPS how to get here, and um, <laughs> no, but we had a chance this summer to... to which has been very few over the last 20 years to actually go to church as a family, um, which was a great time. We went to a number of different churches around here, went to some churches in Colorado, um, just in all different places. And so we're just glad to be back, excited to be back, and excited for all that God has for us. And today, we're going we're gonna to share a little bit of that today. How many of you, uh, when you were in school, remember coming back from your summer break and your teacher issuing you the first challenge of the school year, which was to write an essay entitled, What I Did This Past Summer. How many of you had one of those? Anybody remember those things? Yeah, mine was like played, 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 played. That's, that's what mine did. And so uh, we thought our first time back, we would share today uh, what God spoke to us this, this summer, uh, what he shared with us on our sabbatical, and we had an incredible time just to spend time with each other and time with the Lord, and so today for our, our first Sunday back, we're going to work, the title of today's message is What God Taught Us on Sabbatical. Y'all ready to hear some of this? And we're going we're, we're gonna to unpack, so there's, there's way too much uh, to share in one, in one message um, so this is probably going to get unpacked, of course, over the course of time, but we thought we'd at least kick off some of this, some of this today. So did you want to share anything about the summer? Um, it really was the best ever. I know it's like cliche to say, but it really was. And just to continue to say to honor, um, thank you for honoring us with our, that in our time. And I was wondering, I wonder if our kids are tired of us, you know, like they're Probably ready so. for us to yeah. go back to work. So you know how like we're excited for them to go back to school. <laughs> they're just excited to go to school just to <laughs> no. be away from us for the last uh, two months. So yeah. Hey, let's, let's pray. Let's, let's start off and, and, um, just really pray and ask the Lord to, to be with us in this time. So father, we, we love you so much. We thank you um, for the gifts that you give us. We thank you for the people that are here. 
and just the freedom that we have to, to gather together and, and to worship you. And God, thank you, Lord, that we are reminded that you build your church. It's always been built by you, for you, and on you. And so today, God, I, I pray that as we open up your word, that it would come alive. Thank you that it is breathing and active and alive and that it, that it opens up our hearts and, and it reveals who Jesus is. And so I pray, God, that these words would not just be um, our words, but they would be your words, which you want to speak to your church today. And uh, God, I pray, Lord, that you would give us ears to hear all that you have to say to us in Jesus' name. And everyone said? Amen. 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 I heard you guys had some phenomenal people speaking this summer. <laughs> I hope you took some notes and, and it was really refreshing. We'll get a lot of those, a lot of those people back and uh, excited about that. But if you have your Bibles, we're going to go to Matthew 11. Uh, Matthew 11 is where we're going to really be in all today, for the most part, uh, is Matthew 11 in two verses, and that's it. We're going to keep it simple on our first Sunday back. And we'll, we're we're going to share. This has kind of been our theme verse for us mm-hmm. uh, during the sabbatical. And so here it is, Matthew 11. And this is in the NLT, and we'll uh, read it later in the message version. But it says, Then Jesus said, Come to me, all of you who are weary and carry heavy burdens, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you, let me teach you, because I am humble and gentle at heart, and you will find rest for your souls, for my yoke is easy to bear, and the burden I give you is light. So like he said, that was a big scripture for us this summer, but number one out of that, Jesus invites us to rest. It's not a command, he's giving us an invitation. And Jesus understood what it was to live a life that is hard and tiresome. He experienced everything. He experienced grief. He walked with people. He had death, uh, people around him who died. He lived through betrayal. He knows what we went through and he did also. And so um, just for us, we had, have, we had have never done a sabbatical before. So we were tired physically, even more so than we realized. We were tired physically, emotionally, mentally. Um, we hadn't even really, until we slowed down to a whole different pace than we had been living, we didn't even realize it. But knowing through that scripture that Jesus calls us to come to him and um, invites and th- and us to And I think a lot rest. of people are right now. I mean, how, how many would say that the last year has been pretty exhausting? Anybody in here? <laughs> <clears throat> just so exhausting. I, I don't think it's just us, um, but I think all of us can say how exhausting that, that this past year has been. And that's, that's been the real challenge for, for the world, really, in a lot of ways, is, is how, do you, how do you get rest in the middle of just what this crazy season is over the last year, not only just with COVID and everything that's happening and elections and kind of social unrest and all of that that's hurricanes. there hurricanes yes. let's go ahead and put those in the mix of all that's been going on so it's been it's been a really uh difficult season you know Lindsay and i've pastored here alongside pastor bob miss tracy for for 20 years now and uh we love this church i, I love leading this church uh, this church brings me the greatest joy um Every time I go to Walmart, I pray I see some of you. Um, some people go to Walmart and pray they don't see any people from their church. <laughs> I hope I see as many of you as I can. And, um, and so I, I just love leading. But for those who lead, whether you lead in a business or you lead your family, uh, there are incredible great joys that come with leading. 
but there are also incredible great um, responsibilities and even burdens that come with leading, and that can definitely take a toll on you uh, and in many ways. Take it uh, physically. Anybody have children? Take it emotionally. Anybody have children? Um, (laughs) And take it spiritually in so many other ways as well. And so, you know, leading a church, it already has its struggles. Leading a church through COVID, all the stuff, and two hurricanes is a whole nother level. And so when we kind of presented this uh, idea of, of what would it look like for us to take some, a sabbatical, we were extremely grateful because what we realized is we were running at a pace that was not sustainable. And I don't know about y'all, but I want to be here for a long time. A really long time. And so I'm, uh, that's our plan. We don't plan on going anywhere. We plan on being here for a really long time. But uh, we knew that we needed some time to step away and really just enter into what Matthew 11 is saying, which is the rest that Christ offers us. And so uh, one of the, the things that I did this summer is I, I had an opportunity to, to read and spend time with our family. And I was reading a book this, this summer and uh, the guy that wrote the book was talking about one of his mentors is a guy by the name of Dallas Willard. Dallas Willard has written so many books about spiritual disciplines and how to encounter God. And he said he called Dallas Willard up one day and he asked Dallas Willard, he said, what do I need to do to become the man of God God wants me to be? And he said, Dallas Willard paused for a moment and then said this, you need to ruthlessly eliminate hurry from your life. He said he he wrote it down in his journal, and then he asked Dallas, Dallas, what next? He said Dallas paused for a moment and said, there is no next, because hurry is the greatest enemy to your spiritual life. And if you can ruthlessly eliminate hurry from your life, you'll become the person that God has called you to be. And it was, a, it was a line in that book that resonated with my soul because there was this aching inside of me uh, to slow the pace, uh, to figure out a, a, a pace that, that Christ calls for, for, for me to run, for, for Lindsay and I to run, for our church to run, for so many uh, people. And so I, I've, I've started really unpacking what does this look like and why is this such a big deal? Why is this so important? Because here's what I know, living a life of hurry affects everything. Everything. It affects your marriage. It affects your life. It affects your work. It affects your physical body. It affects your emotions. It affects your kids. It affects your parenting. It affects, affects how you worship. It affects how, how you live. And so this summer has been this kind of invitation from Christ to come into a new rhythm, uh, to find a new pace of what he calls us to walk in. And this isn't just a pace that I feel like Lindsay and I need to walk into. This has really been something that I believe that God is calling us as his church and as followers of Christ to walk into. And so, um, and so we've been under, really unpacking what does it look like to ruthlessly eliminate hurry from our life. Yeah, and this is why it's so important. But number one, going back just a second, like I think we all have this deep 
down ache, like knowing, hey, this isn't going the way it should, or it's at a pace. But it's like this train is going so fast down the track, and like life is happening so fast that you don't even know how to, to stop and to change. But to understand why it's so important to eliminate hurry is to know that hurry is incompatible with love, joy, and peace. And that's who Jesus has called us to be and to model and to become like him. And a few things hurry kills is hurry kills prayer and communication with God. And why? Because I can't slow down long enough to listen. Even if you sit down to read your Bible or to try to pray, it's like the phone's going off, the kids are in like you'll never have your kids not interrupt. That's not an option. That's not something that's going to go away. We can't teach but, that one. Yeah. <laughs> we could try. Um, but I think you've noticed that in your own life. You sit down to hear God, but your thoughts are elsewhere. We can't slow down long enough to even hear him. Another thing hurry kills is relationships. And that's because love takes time, right? It's not nothing fast. You don't put it in the microwave and then you have it. It's a slow, slow process. And another thing hurry kills is gratitude and appreciation because you don't even have time to stop and experience the good things God has given you and placed in your life because it's just on to the next, on to the next, on to the next. And life is meant to be enjoyed at a non-frantic pace. And I know it's probably like, this is everything against like our culture tells and what we're, we've been taught to do. So it's, it's very different and it's hard for us sometimes. But we need to learn to slow down and to take a breath and to loosen our grip and to know that God, we're not as in control as we think and God is in way more control than we actually mm-hmm. think. And I don't know about you, but definitely for me, when I'm cranky, um, Everyone knows uh, when I'm tired physically. Everyone knows. Um, are you ever rushing out the door and like very kind to your children? You know, it's like, hurry up, get out. You know, so um, I How think- many of y'all have been in a hurry to get to church? <laughs> Let me ask you this. Did, would you classify that as peaceful? <laughs> no, no, of course, of course not. By no means. And it's not possible to never ever like be in a little hurry but like as a lifestyle as a pace and even and it's a side note but from my heart like I run around my house like in all just fast to do everything fast everything I'm literally like trying even in my heart to like to know to slow down and um, be so present with God and people and how much a difference that can make in our relationships tell them about the revelation that you had when you were with a family member and we, were, we talked about hurry that morning and wanting to slow down, and then we, we both went to lunch with family members, and, uh, and then you came back from your time with the family member, and you said something about, about hurry. You remember, remember what you said? Not at all. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. I don't remember I, like, this. set that up on a tee for you, and I you don't know. even remember anything? No. You were saying she drove so slow, and then... She, Every time y'all were in a parking lot, she took so long to just find a parking spot. And then when you got into the store, she took so long in the store. Everything, you were like, can we hurry up? Can we hurry up? Can we go? And the crazy part of it all was like, you had nowhere to be. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's this- it wasn't like you had to hurry. It was just like, she was just going super slow mm-hmm. that you, you just feel this angst like, Let's go. Let's, I have let's, to let's go. Get it. Let's why? Get it. You know why? Why do I have to rush through this? Why can't I enjoy whatever? I mean, I don't enjoy grocery shopping, but I mean, I gotta, you know, yeah. enjoy being with that person instead of. Well, I just yeah. reminded you for the second service, so don't okay. do that to me for the second <laughs> service. <Okay. clears throat> All right. So, Dr. Meyer Friedman, 
um, coined this phrase, hurry sickness. Now watch this. After noticing that most of his at-risk cardiovascular patients displayed a continual rushing and a continual anxiousness, he called this hurry sickness. Now watch this. He coined this phrase in the 1950s. And out of that, began to see that this was um, a predominant thing in our, in our culture. And so, what I want to do today is not only uh, descriptive, I also want to make it somewhat prescriptive. And so I want to give you 10 questions to determine if you have hurry sickness. Are you ready? I'm not, we're not even going to put these on the screen. You can just listen to them and you can just think in your mind, yes or no. Number one, do you regularly work longer than your hours are supposed to? Do you, you don't have to answer out loud. (laughs) Unless you want to, maybe it's therapeutic. All right. Do you check work emails and phone messages at home? Do you multitask to the point of forgetting the tasks that you were doing? Do you often exceed the speed limit while driving? Do you, do, here we go, do you move from one checkout line to another because it looks shorter and faster? And I always still pick the wrong one. Do you listen to podcasts or audiobooks at two times speed? Do you find yourself being irritable often? Has anyone said to you, This one convicted me one of the most out of this. Has anyone said to you, I don't want to trouble you because I know how busy you are? (laughs) Does your family and friends complain about never getting time with you? And then last one, number 10. Do you often miss daily communing with God because you have so many things to do? Hurry is not a disordered schedule. It is a disordered heart. And God is inviting us into a rest that only he gives. But it is the antithesis of our culture. So I'm, I'm, I'm meeting with a sabbatical coach this whole time. Um, I've been on sabbatical, Lindsay and I, and... Um, it's been really, really good. He's been helping me process through things. Because when you go from being one who's at 100 miles an hour and talking to people all the time and preaching messages all the time and counseling and weddings and crisis, and then you go to nothing, it's a little disorienting. <clears throat> and I, I started talking to him about this idea of hurry and I feel like I'm always in a rush. I'm always rushing. And, and so he said, well, let's, let's define hurried Josh. What does hurried Josh look like? So begin to describe what I feel like is hurried Josh. And then, and then he says, why do you think you're always in a hurry? And that's a, deep, that's a deeper question to ask. And um, there's multiple answers. I think one of them is I, I, I never want to be called lazy. Um, I don't feel like I've ever really been lazy, but I'd, I'd never want to be that. I think another thing, though, within it is our society praises hurry. 
Like to be a person who does a lot and produces a lot, you are praised in our culture. Like, oh my God, I don't know how you do so much. Man, you are amazing. Uh, man, I think it's maximizing all of God's gifts he's given me. Those are things that I would tell myself. Man, you don't want to waste your time. You want to make sure that one day when you get to heaven, you've poured out everything, you've done everything, you've exhausted all that you have. But for the sake of what? For the sake of most people who live that way usually are praised by culture but are not by their family. They're not by their spouse. And they're not by usually the people who love them the most. Because usually we are giving our best to the areas that are not the areas we should give it the most to at first. And so that's been the the process for me of realizing maybe this isn't just a disordered schedule. Maybe this is a disordered heart. And God, what are you trying to do in me? And what are you trying to teach in me to teach me to not only slow down but to listen and to, to take all what God has in for us. And so, um, so I want us to read this passage in the message translation. So we read it in the NLT. Uh, I'm gonna have Lindsay read this in the message. And I, I want you, this is what I'd like us to do for a moment, okay? I'm even trying to learn how to slow down in preaching. I went back and watched some of my message. I'm like, I am a speed demon. <laughs> like, I can't even listen to myself in two times speed because it's so fast. And so, like, just learning to slow down. So I want us to do this, okay? We're going to kind of somewhat practice this. I want you to close your eyes, okay? If you're watching online and driving, don't do that. But everybody else, you can close your eyes. And I want Lindsay to read this verse, and I want you just to kind of let this verse um, just minister to you for a moment. So, Lindsay, would you read that? Are you tired, worn, worn out, burned out on religion? Come to me. Get away with me and you'll recover your life. I'll show you how to take a real rest. Walk with me and work with me. Watch how I do it. Learn the unforced rhythms of grace. I won't lay anything heavy or ill-fitting on you. Keep company with me and you'll learn to live freely and lightly. All right. How does that feel, you know? hearing that, is that something you're longing for and aching for? And it's an invitation from Jesus. And it's an invitation for everyone who's tired and burnt out and worn out and can't keep the to-do list up and can't ever make it um, in the day. And Jesus invites us to live the life we ache for, but you have to understand that it's an invitation. He's not gonna force this way of life on you. Let him teach you, but it's an invitation. And just during the sabbatical, things that we did to implement well, this. We accepted the invitation. Yeah, we did. And um, gladly. <laughs> At first it was, I don't know, I think we jumped right in, <laughs> jumped right into it. Um, it didn't feel, I think it was something like I'm saying I wanted, so it, the change of pace wasn't um, disorienting for me. But we took naps and we slept in and we got sleep and um, we did some of the things we love to do outdoors, which was hiking and uh, Manitou Incline in Colorado and um, zip lining with some a fun, fun people, fun person. It's another thing for another time, but um, 
fishing, tubing, swimming. Josh rode a motorcycle. I was holding my breath, but he, was, he rode motorcycles. I just want to let y'all know, two weeks ago on Sunday, I drove a motorcycle past this church <laughs> and waved at y'all. And I just, it, it was not on a wheelie, but it was, it was there. And um, I was praying at home. And, uh, <laughs> Deep intercession. Yeah. Um, I, we found this hammock in our shop um, that was there from the previous owner. I stayed in the hammock a lot and fell asleep in the hammock. And it was wonderful. I was living, loving that time. So we did. We rested our bodies. Another thing we did was we rested our soul. We went through marriage counseling and we're still doing that together. Um, Josh has a sabbatical coach and then I also will have some sessions with him with both of them. Um, spent quality time with life-giving friends and family. We had a, our family in from Dubai. Um, then Josh's extended family came. My mom came. Like, we had a really good time together. Um, it invo- involved boiled crabs that they caught. Like I had, I ate the most probably out of everybody there. And I know some people here can attest to that. Um, we read, we had some really deep and on- we had the time to have deep and honest conversations um, with each other. So that was really, really good. Um, and for the first time in 20 years, we spent more time receiving than we did giving. And um, we really, really enjoyed that. And we'll talk more about this because I know everybody in this room's like, man, it'd be nice to have two months off. That would be awesome. But what we're learning is that this is not just something that you can only do if someone gives you a sabbatical. Like this, there's an actual pace of life that you can have with this at all times. Jesus didn't say, come to me and only if you can get two months off and then I'll show you how to have rest. Mm-hmm. Y'all with me? Like, unfortunately, we had to kind of somewhat learn it that way, but, but uh, he's inviting us into something there. And so not only is Jesus inviting us into his rest, I'm going to give you our, a second kind of thought here. If, you wanna, if you're taking some notes, Jesus wants to teach us how to rest. Like he actually wants to model something to us. And you go, well, where is this from? It's actually from the very beginning. Like Genesis chapter two, verse two says, on the seventh day, God had finished his work of creation. And so he rested from all his work. And this word rested in the, in the Hebrew is where you get the word Shabbat. Shabbat is uh, the Hebrew word for stop, to resist, to cease, as you, as you know, and, and uh, we'll probably teach more of this in the, in the coming weeks and stuff, Exodus 20, you've you got to get 50 chapters into the Bible after Genesis 2 before you see this word again, and it's in Exodus chapter 20. Anybody know what's in Exodus chapter 20? It's the Ten Commandments. Do y'all know that one of the Ten Commandments is to remember the Sabbath and to keep it holy? And it's amazing how we understand thou shalt not murder and thou shalt not commit adultery and thou shalt not steal. And we, we grab hold of those and go, yes, we should live. That is a moral code we should live by. Remembering the Sabbath, though, is optional. And yet God is trying to not only model to us something, he's trying to show us something here that even before sin ever entered into the world, uh, he was showing us how to cease and how to stop. And God in Genesis 2 didn't rest because he was tired. He rested because he was trying to show us something. He's trying to teach us something. And so if you, 
If you look in Matthew 11, and I'm going to read both translations here of what Jesus invites us into. It says, verse 29, he says, let me teach you because I am humble and gentle at heart and, and you will find rest for your souls. When, when you let me teach you, you're going you're gonna to find this. And then in, a, in the message translation, he says, I'm going to show you how to take real rest. Walk with me. If you have an actual real Bible, I would encourage you to underline that. Walk with me. Uh, work with me. Watch how I do it. And learn the unforced rhythms of grace. And I love that Matthew 11 is an invitation. Watch this. It's an invitation to walk with Jesus, not run with Jesus. He didn't say, let's go run together. He says, let's, let's walk together. And, and I believe a lot of that is because in our culture, slow is derogatory. Like if, if, if it takes a long time at a restaurant and a waiter's not good, you say she is slow. If you, if you um, have a, a, a movie that is extremely boring and it's not getting anywhere, you say it is slow. Like we live in a culture where slow is bad and fast is good. That's why we have fast food and fast things and fast internet and fast. And I mean, if we have to wait 10 seconds for Netflix to buffer, we're losing our mind. <laughs> it's just not true. The internet is not coming on. It's like, what's going on? There's anxiety that's rising up inside of me. But the truth is to be told that in the upside down kingdom that God calls us to live into, hurry is of the devil, slow is of Jesus. Jesus was never in a hurry. Do you ever notice that? Never in a hurry. And Jesus was a busy man, extremely busy. Watch this. Jesus was a busy man, but not a hurried man. Jesus knew he had a mission. He knew the things that he needed to do. He had that, but but he was never in a hurry. Imagine what the story would have been like with Jesus at the, when he met the woman at the well if he was in a hurry. That woman went on to go and lead an entire city, but if he would have been in a hurry like his disciples were, I wonder what that interaction would have been like or the time he went to go heal a centurion's son and there was a woman that interrupted that had an issue with blood for 12 years. I, mean, I wonder what would have happened if he would have just said, hey, uh, I gotta go. I gotta, I gotta go raise a kid from the dead. I don't have really time for this. Like, imagine if we would read some of the stories of Jesus and instead of having the slow-paced Jesus, you would have the hurried, let's get this going, Jesus, what that would have, would have been like. And so we're just realizing that Jesus is inviting us into uh, how, to, how to slow down and, and not only inviting us into it, he's also wanting to teach us how, how to do it. And I love that it's an invitation to be a student, how he says, as he's been saying, let me teach you. So we have to be willing for him to let us teach us his way. And um, I don't know if you noticed, but learning doesn't happen overnight. I mean, is that so true? Your kids wouldn't go to school for 12 years, right? So it doesn't happen in one night and it doesn't take one sitting. Learning takes time and discipline. And so practically for me, we had a pace, a very different pace for two months. And then last week was back to work. And so uh, first day back after all the things, it was like, oh yeah, this is, sounds good, right? You know, living at this pace when you don't have any responsibilities. And so I was just talking with Josh, um, how, like, how do you 
this all sounds awesome, but how do you do that when life is moving so fast? But I had to remind myself, like, I've had a lifetime of living a certain way, so I have a whole now you want to go back to those old patterns. So just be encouraged that this, if you want to change your life of the and get into the invitation and live the life Jesus is really calling you to live, it's going to take some time and it's not going to happen overnight. And don't get discouraged by that, like, oh, it doesn't work. It's going to take time. You have to undo old patterns. Um, I'm definitely learning mm. that for myself. And um, yeah, so just know that it takes time. And um, I think the bigger question is for ourselves, do we want to learn? Do we really want to change? Do we want our lives to change in this way? And we just have to take the time to let Jesus show us how to rest. And just will we make it a priority in our life? Because uh, bottom line, we do make. What is most of the things we want to do, we do make that a priority. And so do we want to accept Jesus' invitation to slow and to stop and um, to be able to really feel that deep rest, even if it is crazy around us, to know that in him we can find a deep rest no matter what is going on around us. So one of the things that we intentionally did this summer was we disconnected from all things social media, which was a, kind of a big deal for us. We love social media. We, we love being on it. We love staying connected to, to family. We love staying connected to spiritual family. Um, we love sharing the craziness that happens in the belt home. Um, just all of those things that we, we absolutely enjoy. But what we are learning more than anything is that what we give our attention to, we become. I'm going to say that again. What we give our attention to, we become. And so social media, um, and I can only speak for myself more than anything. And I'll speak uh, for myself. And then I'll let you speak for yourself. <laughs> or you speak for me and I'll speak for you. No, okay. No. So we're going <laughs> to... Um, I love social media with all my heart, but it had gotten to the place where it was a filler. And what I mean by that is every moment of any boredom, it was a filler. So I'm waiting in line at Walmart, it's a filler. If I'm waiting in the traffic line, it's a filler. If I go to the bathroom, it's a filler. If I'm sitting on the couch, crazy, watching a screen, having one screen on, but also having another screen on, it's a filler. So every time there was any kind of downtime or just, it, it, was, a, it was a mindless scroll that continually filled uh, at, at all times. Yeah. You want to share how, how that was for you? Yeah, and it takes your attention away from those you're in front, that are in front of you or yeah. around. And um, a personal thing for me, Joel had to have some x-rays, so we're sitting in the um, waiting room at the hospital and I went out. Okay. Yeah. We're sitting at the hospital waiting room and... Um, I didn't want to be on my phone because Joel didn't have anything either. So we were just, me and him just sitting. And there was this elderly lady sitting next to us that didn't know she was coming for a four-hour test, but was there that she had to stay for four hours. And she's like, I didn't even bring my phone. But it, I, I just had, like, we just engaged in conversation. And I got to know who this lady was and kind of some of her story. And I thought, if I would have just been, and I'm not saying it's wrong. Don't mishear me. Like, I'm not saying social media is wrong. But if I would have been in my phone, I would have missed out on... Here, you know, um, meeting someone new and learning her story. And so um, that was really good. And, uh, just for me, he's going in out. Just for me, up until that, I was wanting to step back from social media because even when we had like. Uh, stepping in and probably. 
Huh? Yeah. Okay. Even when we had uh, 21 days ago, Josh and I had stepped back from social media. And I said, like, I don't want to fully go back as much as I did. Thank you. I don't want to fully go back as much as I did during prayer. But it's just, it catches you. You're right back on the same amount of time that you were scrolling. And if you know, look on your phone, it can tell you how long you've been on each app, um, keeping you accountable. But um, I went straight back to it. And I, I was, I'll just say I was addicted to it. Like, I couldn't stop. It was filling those moments. And for me... I didn't like the voice, like it's everyone's opinion, everything they think, and all of the time. And even in the good things, the good scriptures people share and the things that God was speaking to them, it was just like too much from my heart and information, information from my heart when maybe I adequately wasn't spending enough time alone with God, but letting all these other voices speak to me. Do y'all know what I'm trying to say? And so I'm not saying it's bad or wrong, but I needed from my own heart to step away. And it was very life-giving for me, knowing that it's not the first thing we run to, and it's not the last thing we see at night, because if you have you been on lately, it's not the like best information and best quality of stuff. And it can bring so much anxiety and unrest in your heart of fear of what's going on. And I'm not saying... Don't stop if that, don't mishear me, but just saying like for me personally, I needed to check my heart and step away. And so um, that was a really great thing that I did. For- yeah. And, and so we're, you know, we're figuring out what that looks like for us now. Um, we're not off. We're not banning those things in our lives, but we're also being mindful of what it's doing to our souls and, and the intentionality of how much we're on it and those things. So um, I, I think for us, yet again, it was what I give my attention to, I become. And here's what I've learned more than anything. God's after my attention, and so is the devil. They're both way after my attention. And whichever one I give my attention to is the one that I end up kind of um, becoming more, more like. And so, you know, like she said, first thing in the morning, uh, I love waking up first thing in the morning with peace, love, joy, and hope. And I realize if I turn my phone on the first thing in the morning, I don't get peace, love, joy, and hope. I get fear, anxiety, and stress. It's just the way it is. So what, what would it look like for me to, to begin my morning uh, in the presence of peace, love, joy, and hope? And what does it look like for me to end my day with peace, joy, love, and hope? And, and if there are things that I can intentionally do that Jesus is trying to teach me uh, on how to do that, um, then I want to I follow in those footsteps. And even not even just social media, if you start your day with work texts, work emails, or end your day with work texts or work, work emails, that can cause so much anxiety, and that's how you're not beginning your day or ending your day. So not even just with social media, too. Yep. Our phones. So let's, let's, uh, let's share this last, last thought here. Um, and number three is that Jesus does not offer us the easy life, but he does offer us the easy yoke. Matthew 11 says it this way when Jesus says, take my yoke upon you for my, verse 30, for my yoke is easy to bear and the burden I give you is light. Now, for those that may or may not know, Jesus was, was a rabbi. A rabbi is just another word for a teacher. Um, they would often in scripture call him rabbi. Uh, a, a rabbi has two things. A rabbi has, first off, a rabbi has a yoke. Now, if you've ever probably heard that, that word, yoke, um, we're not talking about like he's got eggs um, for everyone. 
We're also, uh, they would know in, in the agricultural terms, a yoke would be something that you would put on two oxen to, to, to plow. Um, now, here's, as I'm reading this verse, here's where my first thought goes. If he is saying all who are weary, tiresome, laborsome, and toilsome, and stressful, hey, by the way, I have a yoke for you, who wants that? Like, if I'm exhausted, why are you putting something on me? But what you realize, if you begin to unpack what a rabbi would say when he talks about a yoke, a yoke was actually a way of doing life. It was a teaching on how to shoulder the weight of life. So I would think that he would want to give me a vacation or like, hey, I have a mattress for you, you know, for all who are weary. But he says, I have a yoke for you. But what he's saying is this, for all who are exhausted, I have a way of life for you to experience rest. And by the way, the way I describe this yoke is it's easy. It's an easy yoke. Jesus doesn't offer us an escape. He offers us equipment on what we can put on, things that we can do to experience this, this life. The second thing that a rabbi has is he doesn't just have a yoke, he has an apprentice or apprentices. He has followers of him. And an apprentice has really three goals, to be with their rabbi, to be like their rabbi, and to do what their rabbi says. And the same is true for us as followers of Christ, apprentices of Christ. We want to be with Jesus. We want to be like Jesus. And we want to do what Jesus, Jesus says. And so Matthew 11 verse 30 in the message translation says it this way. I won't lay anything heavy or ill-fitting on you. Keep company with me. There's that be with me factor. And then you'll learn to live freely and lightly. So here's what we unpack out of this is if you want to experience the life of Jesus, how many in here want to experience the life of Jesus? Anybody in here like you want to become like Christ, you want to live like Christ, okay? If you want to do that, watch this, you have to adopt the lifestyle of Jesus. I'm going to say that again. If you want to experience the life of Jesus, you have to adopt the lifestyle of Jesus, how many of you have been watching the Olympics over the last couple of weeks? Anybody been watching the Olympics? I, I love the Olympics. I love watching the Olympics. I've been enjoying watching the Olympics with our, with our family. And, uh, you know, if you watch any of these Olympians, no matter what it would be, uh, I don't know. There's just something inside of me that would be, how amazing would it be to be one of these Olympians? Like, one of the things I thought was amazing, they, they had the guy from... I think Norway or whatever that broke the 400 meter hurdle record, like broke it in some crazy amount of time. We had a U.S. girl that broke the 100 meter hurdle and had some incredible world breaking things that happened. And I think about like, man, how awesome would it be to like be that, to, to be able to go to the Olympics, to represent your country, to go race against the world, to be the best in the world, to, you know, have a world record and have your name by it. And then I think about, I really like Rocky Road. <laughs> Ice cream. Y'all with me? I love Popeyes every once in a while. Like, I like sleep. Man, I really like what I do. Like, I love the thought of being that. 
I just don't want to do anything that they had to do to get that. Everybody tracking so far? And it's so easy for us to look at people and where they are in their marriage. Man, I would love to have a marriage like that. I would love to love Jesus the way that those people love Jesus. But I really don't want to do anything that they did to have any of that. We want the life of Jesus. We just don't want the lifestyle of him. We want his peace and his hope and his joy and his love that he offers to us, but we don't want to do anything that he calls us to do to actually have those. And so Jesus is trying to teach us a way. He says, I have a yoke that is easy. Now that's not saying that you're going to have an easy life. Anybody that knows you follow Jesus, it's probably pretty hard. Um, it's pretty stressful. It's, it, can, it can have its intensities. We see Jesus that says, like, you're going to go through troubles. You're going to have this. So don't mistake easy yoke for easy life by any regards. But he is saying there is a way. There is a way to walk through this life, no matter how hard it gets. And you can find rest. You can find rest. You mean like even in the midst of all the stuff that's going on right now? Yes, you can find rest. You mean like in the midst of all the drama that's happening in my family right now? Yes, you can have rest. You mean in the midst of all the layoffs that are happening with our company and we're not for sure what our future is going to look like? Yes, you can have rest. But not just outward rest where I just need a vacation and I need a nap and I need this, but like inner inner rest. You know why I've realized I don't like slowing down? Because when I slow down, who I am comes to the top. And all my fears and all my anxieties and all the things that I want to suppress with busyness. It's like a ball that you hold under the water. It just comes up. And then you have either an opportunity to deal with it or to try to get back on it and push it back under the water. A lot of people don't like to slow down. Man, I just went, I, I would run into people at Walmart and they would be like, how is it? You've got to be bored out of your mind. I'm like, the furthest from it. I've been intentional to try to, and we have as a family, to, to be intentional with our time to find the pace that God wants us to have. I think we read the stories of what Jesus has done. We, we see his life, we see his joy, we see his patience. And I think there's something deep inside of us and not just us in this room, but this world that we live in that we say, I want that. Like, I want that. I want that for my life, I want that for my marriage, I want that for my home, I want that for this, but but you, you have to understand your life is a byproduct of your lifestyle. If you don't like the life you're living, you have to look at the lifestyle you've adopted. And for Lindsay and I, prior to sabbatical, I would say that our lifestyle was one of hurry, of rushing, one of stress, one of pressure, one of... Um, just fast pace. Um, and if your life is full of hurry, anxiety, irritability, 
chronic emotional burnout, depression, something's out of whack. And at some point you have to just say, time out. Jesus, is there a better way? And, and, and that may mean saying no. Do y'all know no is a full sentence? Um, it's hard, though, to say it because I don't like disappointing people. It's hard to say that because at times you feel selfish for saying that. But when it comes to caring for your soul, for your family, and for your future, sometimes no is the best word ever. Are y'all with me? Anybody with me? I think a lot of times we think the scripture, like, what is it for a man to gain the whole world yet lose his own soul? And we think it's like, because he sold out for money or he sold out for all these sinful lifestyles. But like, it's, I think it's this too, that we can make it to heaven, but like, what was the quality of our life with God and others while we were here? And then we sold our soul to all these things of the world that don't matter. And um, people all over the world are looking for an escape. But there is no escaping this world, if you noticed. But the best the world can offer is temporary distraction, right? It doesn't last. It's only for a minute. It, only, it doesn't last long. And that's why Jesus' offer is so much better. And that uh, description of the yoke, there too, it's meant for two oxen. And Jesus is saying, I'll be, you be on one side and I'll be on the other. But he's going to do the heavy lifting. He's going to carry it. He says that it's, if we'll follow his way and learn from him, it's going to be light. And he'll take that for us. And that's at his pace, though. We can't go ahead of him. And we have to stay at his pace. And that's slow and unhurried and present to the moment. But we also, in that, we get so much more joy, so much more love, and so much more peace. And I love just that quote, an easy life isn't an option, but an easy yoke is. So here's some questions that we, if you want to just write down some questions and some things to process through this week, two questions I have for us. Number one, what is keeping you from living an unhurried life? What do you feel are changes that you need to make in that regard? Question number two is not what should I do with my life, but who does God want me to become? I'm going to say that one again. Not what should I do with my life? So many people are so consumed with what they do. Like, man, I just want to be in the will of God. I just want to do, is this what God wants me to do? And that's not a bad question to ask. But I think a better question to ask is, who is the person that God wants me to become? Because if I become the person he wants me to become, how many know you'll do the things he wants you to do? So who do I want to be? When I am laying in a casket one day and someone has to do my my funeral, what will they say about me? And not what I did, but who I was. What kind of man was I? What kind of husband was I? What kind of father was I? What kind of pastor was I? What kind of... What was the, who, how would they describe who I am as a person? And I, and I pray that it, it wouldn't be that he was hurried or anything. I pray that it would be a, he was a man full of love and peace and joy modeled that. Perfect by no means, but a man who was present in the moment. A man who was humble enough to acknowledge his failures, but also was willing to stick in and be selfless and serve and 
so many other things, but what do I need to do to live that out in my home and in my world? And so that is the beginning of some of the things that God has been inviting us into. And we, we want to invite us as a church into this as well of um, being people who last a long haul. I don't know about y'all, yet again, as I said earlier, um, I want to last the long haul. To be a Christian for five years and burn out is not successful. How many, know, how many want to go to your grave and still be loving Jesus even more passionately than you are right now? Loving your family more than you are right now. And so just inviting, God inviting us into that and us accepting that and then us learning from him as to how that looks. And trust me, I know you have a ton of questions. Well, how does this work and how do we do this? And how? We were very intentional today to not give a lot of hows. I am a guy who quickly goes to how we do this. I'm, I'm like, let's make this practical. And I agree, we do need to make things practical. But I think the first thing before we can make it practical and how we do it, we just need to realize that we need to do it. Do I want to enter into this? The why is so much more important. The how we can walk through and we will walk through as we, as we unfold this in the coming weeks and things. But, but knowing that God invites us into this and so uh, I know I live in an exhausted world. I know that life is very difficult and heavy right now. Man, but what would it look like for a bunch of followers of Christ that even in the midst of all the weight and the pressure and the tension to be full of love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, and self-control. Can I get an amen for the fruit of the Spirit live inside of us? So if that's you and you go, man, I want that. I long for that. If that's you, would you just shoot your hands up all across this place and I'll... Lindsay and I would love to just pray with you and pray for you. So Father, tonight, uh, this morning we recognize the invitation you call for us to enter into a rest that we know the world cannot give. A rest that comes from deep within, not just external, but an internal rest that comes that is only found in you and you alone. So God, I pray over every person in this room, just as you have done with Lindsay and I, that you would reveal to us maybe things in our life that are unhealthy, maybe a pace that is unsustainable. And I love the fact that God, you don't condemn us, but you invite us come to you. So God, we, we say yes. Yes. God, we want to we learn from you. We want to we walk with you. We want to we learn what these unforced rhythms of grace look like. God, we acknowledge the fact that maybe we're tired or exhausted or burnout or depressed or stressed or God we know that many things externally may never change but God that you will give us rest for our souls so God we 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 say yes to that 
we, uh, we invite you to, to speak to us. God, I pray over every person that this week that they would intentionally slow down to listen, to hear what the Spirit of the Lord is saying. God, may we not continue to go at a pace that our culture goes, but I pray that you would, you would show us how you want us to, to walk and how you want us to live. We live in a, in a, in a pace that, that brings so much fruit in our marriages and in our families, in our work, in all that we do. God, we just thank you. Thank you for your spirit that, that is here, that is, is calling us out into this. Thank you for your grace. God, that, that you don't ask us to do something that you don't come alongside us and, and do with us and empower us to do. So, Lord, we just, uh, we say yes to this. We thank you for it. And we bless your holy name in Jesus' name. And everyone said, Amen.